Amen. Good to see everybody here. Thank you for all of those that are joining us by live stream. Uh, we're excited each and every week to have the capabilities to be able to do that. Um, in that vein, I want to remind you that when you came in today, hopefully you received a Connect card. Uh, or excuse me, you received a bulletin. Inside that bulletin is a uh, place here uh, that you can let us know that you were here. If you're visiting with us, man, we are so, so very glad to have you. I already met a few uh, first-time guests here. We've actually got a gift for you. So if you're here in person, uh, we have a gift for you. It's at the Next Steps table, so as soon as you walk out to the left, um, we've got a gift for you that we want to get in your hands. No strings attached. Um, but if you would, let us know. Uh, we're not going to hunt you down. We're not going to bring up in front of everybody and anything like that. Uh, no minute to win at games or anything like that. Uh, we just want to have this lifeline to you. We want to be able to connect with you. Uh, love to let, give you an opportunity to give us some feedback about our church, uh, any questions that you might have, anything like that. Um, but that is our lifeline to you. If you're listening online, if you will text North Connect to 31996, North Connect to 31996, uh, on that That'll direct you to our online Connect card. Uh, and you do the exact same thing. Just let us know. Fill out the form uh, and let us know, and that will come directly to us. So we just want to be able to follow up with you and have record that you are here. Uh, all my kiddos. almost forgot. Gosh, that would have been terrible. So like half of the first row. All my kindergarten through fourth graders, if you want to make your way to the back, we got our leaders in the back there. Miss Cheryl and Miss Barbara are there. Uh, if y'all will follow them out, we get to have our kids worship. It's a bunch of kids, y'all. It's a bunch of kids. Exciting stuff, man. Exciting, exciting stuff. I love watching the little the parade of, of kids out of here. So, uh, man, we are, we're really excited to be able to do that. I do want to remind you as well, uh, next week... Uh, we have the opportunity to do our second Creek baptism. So you'll be hearing a little more about that uh, in just a moment. Joseph uh, will be giving you some information on that in the announcements. Um, but we are going to the Ellis's farm, and we will be baptizing at, the Shoal, at Shoal Creek, in Shoal Creek, next week. We've already looked at it. The weather's going to be nice. Um, and we are actually going to uh, have a little fellowship afterwards. Just something we haven't done as a church with all this stuff going on is, is really be around each other, get to hang out and spend some time with one another. And so um, we're going to be doing that. We'll be grilling some hot dogs, uh, having some, um, some snacks and things like that as well. So if you and your kids want to come, we'll have a baptismal service, and then your kids can baptize themselves. They can jump in the creek. My kids, I know, will be in the creek. Uh, so... Uh, we're excited about that. I think it'll be a, just a fun time to hang out with everybody, get to know some people maybe a little bit better uh, that have joined us over COVID and are visiting. And so we would invite you to come out. If you've never seen a Creek baptism, it's really cool. It's cool in multiple ways. One is going to be a little chilly, but uh, it, is, it is really, really neat. And so we're excited about that. That was the first baptism we ever had as a church. We baptized three in the Elk River, and so we, we are revisiting that again. So uh, we'll get you information about that uh, at the end of service. And if you're interested in that, we can get you the address. We'll have those available next week uh, for you to meet us out. That'll be immediately after this service. We'll just head that way um, and, and hopefully start the baptism around uh, 12.30 or so, okay? All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 91. We are in our second week of three in this series entitled 
safe. We live in a very stormy, stormy time. Um, I remember as a kid, when we moved into the house that my parents are still in now, when I was about four or five years old, uh, and I remember uh, once we moved into the new house, we had an unfinished basement. And our basement uh, was obviously where we would go when, when storms would come. And I'll never forget, any time storms would come, my mom's a little crazy, okay? Um, she, she enjoys bad weather. Like, she gets excited about it. Like, that, it, it excites her to see storms coming. And then, you know, like, okay, I, I think that's why, love him or hate him, do y'all remember Dan Satterfield? Like, Dan Satterfield, he, he, she loved him because he got as excited as she did about the storms it sounded like. Like, he was, he, was, he was letting you know, and he was excited about it and fired up about it, passionate about it. Uh, as you can imagine, passion in our family is, you know, it, it's a consistent trait. And there's a lot of that, a lot of people uh, that are, you know, just crazy and out there. And so, my, but my mom, I remember as a kid, my mom having us go upstairs, get all of our bedding, bring it down to the unfinished basement. And it was, I mean, it was just concrete, y'all. It was concrete blocks and concrete floor. And I remember when anytime those storms would come, we'd get snacks, we'd get coolers full of drinks, and we'd bring them all down. And before the storms got there, we'd go in and we'd just make a hangout of it. I mean, it was, it was a hangout for our family. They'd be listening to the radio. Uh, and even as the storms got close, I remember as a kid, truthfully, just being oblivious to the destructive force that the storms that were just right outside our doors were, was causing. I, and, and my parents just, they, they protected us from that. And, and, and I remember going into that unfinished basement and just uh, having some good times, falling asleep, sleeping all night down there, eating my weight and food until I fell over in like a diabetic coma. Like it was, it was wonderful. We had, I had some really good memories in that. But I think about that in light of how strange it is that we would have these parties in the middle of something that's causing such incredible destruction. And truthfully, I was oblivious to it. Now, fast forward about 20 years, 30 years. Gosh, I'm old. Um, everybody's going, yeah, you think you're old. I heard that. I heard that, okay? I heard that online, too. I heard, I heard you all the way from home. All right, but uh, I remember driving through the April 28th storms that came through that tore up East Limestone a few years back. I remember driving through, uh, and we had to get to my parents' house. We had to get to that unfinished basement because we didn't have a finished basement. We had a bathtub, and four people don't, you know, we don't, that many people don't fit in a bathtub. So we head off. We thought we had a window, and y'all, the storms got on us quick, and they just kind of, they, they sprung up. I remember actually getting off at the Elkmont uh, exit to drive to my parents' house in Hazel Green and like a trampoline floating down from the sky. Like, I mean, debris was all in the air, stuff was flying everywhere. I mean, we were terrified. What's the difference in those two stories? Me asleep, you know, with Cheetos sprawled out all, all around me in my parents' unfinished basement, and me years later. Terrified, afraid for our life, feeling the wind hit our van. What are the difference in those? The difference is safety. There's a reason why every meteorologist, when storms come, they say, find your safe place. 
Now, that safe place has evolved. Uh, you know, now they're telling you to bring helmets and stuff. Like Y'all remember in school tornado drills? And you'd have textbooks you put over your head? Like that was going to do anything? Oh, no, this entire building can come down, but this geometry book is going to save me forever. You know, like in, in geometry, I trust. You know, like, no, no of course. Like that's not, that's not going to help at all, right? And so... Uh, and, but I just remember that, and, and, and it's evolved over years. But every meteorologist will tell you, go to your safe place. Why? Because there's nothing more peaceful than knowing you're safe in a storm. As a kid, yeah, the storms came, but it was a time for me to hang out with my family and play Uno in, in the dark, right? Like, it was cool. There's nothing more peaceful than knowing that you're safe in a storm. But the reverse of that is also true. There's probably nothing more anxious than when you find yourself unsafe in the middle of a storm. And so safety is important for us as, as, as people in our physical bodies in a physical storm, but we live in a world full of storms. Right now, we are in the middle of a political storm. We are in the middle of a civil storm. We are in the middle of a socioeconomic storm. We are in the middle of a medical storm. There are storms all around us. And here is my question to you. Does your mentality, does your disposition as a, as a person, does it better exemplify me in my car driving in a storm thinking I'm about to die? Or me hanging out with my family asleep in a, in a, in a basement because I know that I'm safe? What does your life look like and where is your focus Found. Last week we talked about God's power over the storms in our life. That He is El Shaddai. He is the God Most High. He is El, or, uh, the God Almighty. He is El Yon. He is God Most High. We're going to see that terminology again as we read in verses 5 through 10. So if you've got your Bibles in Psalms chapter 9, verse 91, verses 5 through 10, I want to read this along. I want you to read this along with me. This is what it says. In verse 5, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by the day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes in noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall befall, be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Father, bless the reading of your word. Now, God, as we dive into it, God, I pray that you would illuminate your scripture to us. That it would be the light, lamp into our feet and the light into our path that you've... Your word says that it is. Let us hide it in our heart that we may not sin against you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When you're convinced of your safety, you will have peace. And so, in this passage, we're going to look at three things. Three ways that we have peace in our life. The first thing we're going to see is that we have peace in our minds. Peace in your mind. Psalms 91, verses 5 through 6. Listen to what it says again. You will not fear the terror by night. The idea there is of a small child or full-grown adult uh, afraid of the dark, right? Got to have a nightlight. Got to have a little light on. Why? Because it's scary. I, I remember showing my son, introducing my son to Veggie Tales. 
Uh, and the first one that we watched, can you, can you guess? God is bigger than the boogeyman, right? And so we showed him. Now, I didn't realize it is kind of creepy. And then he did, matter of fact, it was really funny. I told him, I was like, well, buddy, what do you think? And after the Franken-celery, and it's all black and white, and it's kind of, you know, scary. And I was like, well, buddy, what do you think about VeggieTales? And he went, I like it. I'm going to have nightmares, but I like it. Well, great, I've scarred my kid. Uh, But the whole point, right, is Junior Asparagus sitting in the room terrified, and then comes Bob the Tomato busting in saying, God is bigger than the boogeyman, right? He's bigger than the things that we don't see coming. That's the scary part of darkness is we don't see the threats that are out there. And the thought in our mind is that there's something out there and it can... can, Attack me, right? Nor the arrow that flies by the day. Well, for David, if this was written by David, this was a legitimate concern for David. The nation of Israel was at war. And so an arrow could very well be shot by a skilled archer and find King David. So we don't have to fear the terror by night, what is unseen, nor the arrow that flies by the day, which is the very seen thing, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Remember, we talked about uh, last week that for three days, because of David's sin, a pestilence wreaked havoc in in Israel, and 70,000 Israelites were killed, right? This is probably the pestilence that it had in mind there, if this is the timing of this this, uh, psalm. It says, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. So whether it's seen or unseen, whether it's known or unknown, What is the totality of the thought on that? The first phrase. You will not fear. You will not be afraid. Matthew Henry in his commentary said this, Not to be afraid is in itself an unspeakable blessing, since for every suffering that we endure from real injury, we are tormented by a thousand griefs that which arise from fear only. What is he saying there? He's saying there's a whole lot of things that we worry about, that we think about, that we preoccupy our mind with, that never come to pass. You know what, you know what God, what Jesus said about that? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry for itself. Right? We worry so much. We, and some of us in this room, literally, like you would say, I am a worrier. To which I would respond, you need to check your heart with Jesus on that. Don't just, uh, just, just say, well, because I'm a worrier, it's okay that I worry. For us to live in fear is counter to the disposition, according to the psalmist, that we should live to threats known and unknown, to threats seen and unseen. We can have peace in our mind. There are things that we just accept as people as, well, this is just how it's got to be. But it's simply not the case. Peace was very important to the Hebrew people. Uh, Very important. In fact, when they would greet each other, there was really no hello or, you know, good day or or anything or aloha or wherever you're at. There was really no phrase for that. And so according to the Talmud, according to the teaching of the day, the way that you would greet someone in Hebrew culture is you would say, Shalom Alakim. All right, y'all got that? In our, in our, in our uh, Hebrew scholars class here. Uh, shalom, alakim. Ready? Shalom, alakim. All right, this is literally what it means. Shalom, peace, 
be unto you. Peace unto you. Shalom alakim. Peace be unto you. I want you to look to the person to your right. And I want you to tell them. We're going to practice our Hebrew culture here. I want you to look at them and I want you to tell them. Shalom alakim. Now I want you to look back at the other person and say, You don't speak that language. You sound silly. But this was the response. When someone would look at you and say, Shalom alakim. Then they would respond back. Alakim Shalom. What were they saying? Peace to you as well, right? Peace be unto you, and unto you peace, right? This was, the, this was the way that they greeted one another in the Hebrew culture. Why? Because they needed to be reminded as people, even though they were God's people, even though God had, had put his supernatural protection over them, and they were his possession, and he was theirs, They had to be reminded to constantly live at peace. Peace. Why? Because it is the disposition of God's people to be at peace. Why? Because we don't have to fight on our own. And so they're reminded to have peace. There's no reason to fear because we're safe. As we talked about last week, the Most High and the Almighty is on our side. We find refuge in Him. There's no reason to fear. And listen, if the Hebrew people who trusted in God's presence that was in a geographical location, not where they lived, but in the city of Jerusalem, in the temple where they, most of them, 99.999% of them, had never seen the Holy of Holies. In fact, only the high priests had seen the Holy of Holies. If they trusted so much in the presence of God in a place that they had never seen to say to one another, peace be unto you and unto you peace, how much more do us as the temples of the living God, where God's presence literally resides, how much more should we be at peace? We take peace with us because we have Christ in us. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So there's peace. So we find peace in our mind. In your notes, the problem becomes when fear flourishes, where fellowship falters. Fear flourishes where fellowship falters. What did, what did he say in verse 1 last week? That I have made my Lord. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High, he who rests in the secret place of the Most High, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Those who remain in Christ, they are protected. They don't have reason to fear, but fear flourishes when fellowship falters. When we lose fellowship with Christ, when we begin walking a guilty distance from Him, when we take our eyes off of Jesus and put them on the waves around us, then there's plenty of reason to fear. Because no longer are we looking with a heavenly perspective and an eternal perspective, but now we're looking around at everything that we're in. And let's just be honest, guys, there's a lack of peace in this world. So if I'm looking, if I'm going to find peace, I sure as goodness ain't going to find it in a TV station. I sure as goodness ain't going to find it in a news outlet. I sure as goodness not going to find it on social media. I can only find it in the secret place. I can only find it in my refuge. It's why Jesus said in John 14, 27, as he was detailing to his disciples that he was about to leave them, they had walked with him for three years solid, never left his side. 
And Jesus is telling him he's going to leave him. Listen to what he says. Peace I live, leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be what? Afraid. I leave you peace. But it's not peace in and of yourself. It's not your peace. It's not peace that comes from you establishing enough of a nest egg. It's not peace that comes in your ceasing from work. It's not peace that comes uh, through any of the million of different ways that we can seek to find safety and security for us. What does he leave for us? He leaves his peace. My peace I leave to you. Not as the world leaves. The world will tell you there is peace in a million different things, but you'll find at the end of that there is nothing but insecurity and turmoil. But Jesus left us his peace. Quit trying to find peace on your own terms. Quit trying to find security in your own ways, in your own efforts. Trust Him that He has peace. And when you come to Him, you experience that peace. As you remain in Him, you maintain a peaceful spirit. Shalom Alakim. Peace be unto you if you're in Him. But it's not just peace in your mind, but peace in your body. Psalms 91, 7 and 8 says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. This could have been thousands and ten thousands falling in battle. This could have been thousands and ten thousands falling uh, to the pestilence. This could have been any number of things. These, this number of people, you could experience this number of casualties, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Now, the task for us as students of God's Word is to understand what God's Word is saying in the context that it's written. And for me to tell you that a correct exegesis of this passage would be to say that God, if you will remain in Christ, nothing bad will ever happen to you would simply not be true. It would be counter to the biblical record. Otherwise, Paul didn't have it right. You ever read what all Paul endured in Corinthians 11? Right, all the suffering that he went through. Well, if he would have just read, if he'd have just remained in Christ, well, nothing evil would have ever happened to him. He would have never been beaten. He would have never been flogged. No, what we've got to understand is an, an idea called biblical theology. All right, and the biblical theology it says to properly exegete this text, we must understand something of biblical theology regarding salvation. So. Biblical theology takes a theme of Scripture that we see all throughout Scripture, and it shows how God unveils that theme to his people over time. So for David, David didn't have Jesus, have, have Jesus in the life of Jesus. He wasn't looking at salvation after the cross. In fact, salvation in the Old Testament many times meant a saving of their physical life. It's why 300 men were saved and killed 38,000 Midianites. It was a physical salvation. Uh, Jehoshaphat at the ascent of Ziz, right, when he sends his choir boys up the hill, marching up the hill, 
Players of the Lord, His mercy endures forever. And they're, they're, they're literally going to top the hill expecting to see three different armies that are going to slaughter them. And instead, they top the hill and they see the salvation of the Lord that all three armies have turned on themselves and not a single one survives. It's a physical salvation. And so for David, as you read the Psalms, you will think it curious when he talks about like the worst thing that could ever happen to him was to be cut down in his prime. To be cut down in his days, be cut short. Why? Because he understood the blessing and the salvation of God in remaining in him was a physical salvation. In fact, that's because he had a physical law. He had a law given by God that meant physical obedience. But what Jesus did changed everything. So much so that Paul would look at death in Philippians 2 that we read and say, I hope it comes. To live as Christ, Philippians chapter 1, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Why? Because Paul knew something that David didn't. The idea of afterlife wasn't well played out. You hear terms like Sheol and Abraham's bosom. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't really, it, there wasn't, there was, it was a lot of gray. Nobody really understood what happened after life. And it's because, you know, the prosperity of Israel was a physical prosperity in a lot of ways. That's what they associated it with. And so life was the most important for us. We recognize that it's not just a physical life, but God has set us free for eternity. And so when we look at our life, we don't look at it as Well, if I have enough faith, then God will keep anything bad from happening to me. If you live with that mindset, you are living outside of the clear teaching of the New Testament Scripture. Okay? It doesn't mean that everything has to be terrible. It just means that it's not all going to be rainbows and gumdrops and butterflies. Right? There's difficult things that we walk through, but we can have peace in our body. And I cannot explain it better than Charles Spurgeon. Shocker. World-renowned pastor, teacher throughout all history. He can explain it better than me. Right? But this is what it says. And as a matter of fact, if you want a great source to read through, as we read through Psalms 91, go to the Treasury of David. Written by Charles Spurgeon. It's a, it's a good long read. Right? Read that as he goes through and deals with each and every passage. Man, it is an amazing resource. You can find it online just about anywhere. But listen what he says in the Treasury of David. It is impossible that any ill should happen to the man who is beloved of the Lord. Now, right away, that sounds counter to what I've just said. But he goes on. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and hasten him to his reward. Ill to him is no ill at all, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him, sickness is his medicine, reproach is his honor, death is his gain. No evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him, for everything is overruled by good. Happy is he who is in such a case. He is secure when others are in peril, and he lives when others die. What is he saying there? I summarized it in your notes. Although death and loss are a reality for all people, sickness, disease, it's a reality for all of us. Tragedy is only the reality of the world. Tragedy is only the reality of the world. Why? 
Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we lose a loved one on this earth, yeah, it's sad. And yeah, we mourn them. And there's some of us in this room that have experienced loss recently. And yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing to walk through. But we don't mourn as the world mourns. Why? Because the sting, the hurt of death is taken away in Jesus. He defeated death for us. And so the things that we face are not God not being able to control it. It is God in his sovereignty allowing it so that we can grow, so that we can learn, so that we can mature, so that we can be more like him. The tragedy is taken out. When, my, when I got the news, when I was in Ecuador, that my cousin had passed away at the age of 16 suddenly in a car accident, I immediately thought, what a tragedy. But you know what's more tragic? The fact that people are dying every day and splitting hell wide open. The fact that there were people at his funeral who didn't have a relationship with Jesus. J.R. was as alive as he'd ever been that day. There was no tragedy there. You think, 16-year-old, what a tragic event. Not really. Not in God's economy, it wasn't. It was a net gain for the kingdom of God. Why? Because four kids gave their life to Jesus that day. I look at my best friend who died right before I graduated high school and I think, man, what a tragedy. Not really. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the passing of one of his saints. She had a relationship with Christ. She led a revival in our school. We have to understand things and see things through the the word of God and have an eternal perspective on things. Death and loss are reality. But tragedy... True destruction and calamity, that is only a reality to the world. So when the world loses, it loses big. But we don't mourn like the world mourns. Why? Because we have hope beyond the grave. It is not the end for us. This is what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in your notes. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 55, when Paul says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus defeated sin through his life, just as he defeated death through his resurrection, so we have the same ability, the same conquering power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. So where is the sting of death? Where is the victory of the grave? But Christ has superseded all of them. This is the peace we have in our body. Not that if we just remain in him, nothing ever will happen bad to us. Because that will simply send you into a faith tailspin when something bad does come along, and it will. But we have hope beyond hopes. Where's our focus? Where's our perspective in those times? Finally, we see peace... In our mind, peace in our body, and peace in your spirit. Psalms 91, verse 9. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. 
this passage of Scripture, we see a very stark comparison between two very different types of structure. So if I can get my guys to bring up my illustration and get out of the way here. We see a comparison between very, two very, very different types of structure. At the end, what does he say? No plague will come near your tent. So my sons have really wanted to go camping. I'll just tell you, I'm not a camping guy. I'm just not. Um, I don't know why anybody would reject the wonderful provision of the Lord to go and sleep in dirty darkness. All right? I don't know why that would happen, but they do it. All right? And so if you're a camping person, I mean no ill by saying that. I'm just saying it ain't for me. Camping is a means to an end for me. If at the end of that camping trip, Jordan, if I can, if I can hunt after it, I'm in. I'll, hunt, I'll camp. If I can fish after it, sure. If I need a good enough meal after it, yeah, absolutely. It's a means to an end. But I don't just go out there just to, just to sleep on the roots of a tree because I, I can, right? And so, but my kids do. My kids want to camp real bad. They've never camped, and so I'm sure they'll, they'll come to the realization eventually that it's not all it's cracked up to be. I don't know. They may love it. So we bought them a tent. This is our three-man tent. Now I will say the three men, full-grown men that can fit in that, you better like them a whole lot. Um, but uh, three-man tent here, and uh, as I was putting it together, I put it together literally in our living room uh, to make sure I could, and then brought it here and assembled it. This is a, a three-man tent, and, and the, the words at the end of the passage of Scripture talk about no plague coming near our tent. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how you would feel in my situation right now, I don't feel much safer in here than I did out there. Because this tent is not very effective to shelter me from much. We just, uh, they want to they camp in our backyard. We just cut a dead tree out of our backyard. If that dead tree had fallen on this tent, we're, we're, a, we're a memory, right? This tent ain't going to protect us from that. This tent will protect us from a little bit. If you've got the cover over, it'll protect us from rain, protect us from some bugs, Right? That's all that this tent will provide. There's only a very limited amount of safety that I can provide for my kids out in the wilderness in this tent. But listen to what he says in verse 9. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High who is my refuge. He ends with the imagery of a tent. This ain't stopping a plague. This ain't stopping a pandemic. This ain't stopping germs of any kind. But what does he say? He compares it to an alternate shelter. The Most High, who is my refuge. The word there is stronghold. He says, regardless of whatever meager protection I think I can provide for myself, the reason no plague comes near it has nothing to do with this. has nothing to do with what I can provide for myself. It has everything to do with being found in Him. In the middle of a, of a siege of battle, you, if you were in a tent, you're in trouble. But if you're behind the fortified walls of a stronghold, you've got a chance. And this is the idea. To quit looking at our physical protections in our life as means to find peace. Because it will not deliver it. 
In fact, it's safer to be in the center of God's will in physical danger than outside his will in physical safety. It's safer to be in his will in physical danger than outside his will in a place that you consider physically safe. Jonah learned that. It was safer in the middle of Nineveh who were renowned for skewering people alive and using them to to mark their territory. He was safer there in God's will than he was fleeing from their presence going to Tarshish, warm and cozy in a boat. It's safer to be in physical danger than spiritual danger. When I think about the legacy I leave my kids... I want to leave them a retirement. I want them to have some type of inheritance. I I want them to be in physical safety. I do. I want to leave that for my children. I believe it was modeled for me by my parents. But I am remiss as a dad. We are remiss as parents if we miss the fact that true peace and true security is not going to be found in anything that I can achieve on my own. It's not in my capacity to live a life in such a way that my kids find peace in the achievement of their mom or dad. But peace is only going to be found in my ability to be completely, radically, and humbly dependent on God to meet all of our needs. And when my kids see that, that leaves peace for them. remaining in him. Remember the theme of the whole passage, those who dwell in the secret place, the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So are you resting in him? Have you found peace in him? With every head bowed and eye closed. If you're under the sound of my voice, I want you to hear from me. I don't want to mix words. I want to be clear. Any effort you make to find peace outside of a relationship and dependence on Jesus will only lead you to worry and anxiety and unrest. That's all this world can provide. And so if you're here in this room and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want you to know you're the most important person in this room. Quit trying to find your security in other things. Whether you're man, woman, boy or girl, teenager in this room, quit trying to find your security in things that you can provide for yourself. Peace is found when we rest in Him. This is the teaching of Psalms 91. Regardless of what goes on around us, we don't have to be dependent on our circumstances. We need to be found in Him. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you don't understand this peace. In fact, it's called in Scripture a peace that passes understanding. You don't have understanding of this peace. But you can today. You can today. 
So if you're here in this place or you're listening by live stream, I want you to know that God has made himself available to you. If you need to make a decision for Christ today, you need to begin a relationship with him. That is what it means to be in him, is to begin not just to pray a prayer, not just to check a box, but to begin a relationship with Christ today. If you desire to do that, he has made himself available to you today. We've got counselors in the room. Uh, we got counselors in the room that would love to talk to you here at the front. They would love to talk to you about how you can know that you have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're here and you need to make that decision, don't leave this moment without doing that. But maybe you need to talk to somebody about membership of our church. Maybe you need to talk to somebody about getting your baptism in order. Whatever it is, we need to, we need to remain in Christ. Maybe your life looks very different than peaceful. Maybe you've been looking around at your surroundings. You've been looking at the pestilence and the arrow. And maybe you just need to refocus your life. Maybe you know that you have a relationship with Christ. But you just need to refocus your perspective on the God who loves you and gave himself for you. Whatever the case may be, I pray that you would respond in this next moment. Father, give us boldness. Give us strength. Motivate us by your spirit. Move us to repentance in Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bow and eye still closed, if you're here and you made, you need to make a decision for Christ. Counselors here at the front, they'll take you the rest of the way. Would you just stand and would you respond? Right now, nobody's looking around. Just stand right where you're at. Make your way to the front. We'd love to talk to you about whatever decision that you need to make today. Was that you? Would you do that? Would you respond? Christians in the room, you need to be praying praying for these that need to respond, need to make a decision for Christ. Is that you? Would you respond? For those of you at home, in that mobile connect card, digital connect card, by texting North Connect to 31996, if you made a decision today, on that connect card is a way that you can let us know that you made that decision. And so if you would, fill that out. Give us some information that we can follow up with you on to let us know about what Christ has done in your life. And if you're here in person, that connect card is also a resource for you. For whatever reason, maybe you didn't respond to the invitation today, don't leave without letting us know, letting somebody know so that we can follow up with you. Helen, I prayed to receive Christ today or, or I would like to do that. I'd like to talk to a pastor. Maybe you've got questions, whatever the case may be. And you can, as you leave today, you can drop it in the offering bucket on your way out. Father God, we, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for your word. Now God, I pray that you would allow us to leave changed. Be with those that still need to do business with you. Let not this moment slip away your invitation, you're knocking at their heart's door. Lord, would they be obedient to let you in. Lord, we thank you for what's afforded you in Christ. Afforded us in Christ. We thank you for the peace that you give us. Your peace that we find only in you. Lord, we thank you for today. In